Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Lovi. It seems you came from the gym this morning. Let's appreciate Pastor Lovi. Is the one-man security army. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, you could just put for me up today. Let's start today with the statement of belief. There is victory in God's house this morning. Let's start with our statement of belief. Because we have some things to deal with today. Three, two, one, let's go. I am a winner. I am a victor and not a victim. I have changed my mind and my attitude to reflect what God says about me. My faith is built on God's word. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. For I am a new breed, a new kind, a remnant, and I am after my purpose. Find us in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to read from verse 3 to verse 18. Now, this one we are doing for the sake of your neighbor because you have been very diligent this week in studying God's word, but we don't know about your neighbor. So just allow us to go through these 15 verses. Let's go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one or things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will that he should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel, the salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption, the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the love unto the saints. 
cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto thee the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Verse 19, please. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body of the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Amen. Just sit on your enemies. Sit on your enemies. Amen. I want to begin this presentation by inviting the very man of God, Victor Decay, to play for me a creative piece that I directed by myself. You know, us TBN preachers, very creative. So I took time to, to create something for you people so that you can appreciate the creativity of the pastoral. Amen. <laughs> Anytime you are dealing with the book of Ephesians, it's absolutely critical to fully appreciate not only the depth to which the apostle goes in painting the mind of God, but it's of importance, particularly serious, to examine not only the theological base, but also the profound proclamations that the apostle Paul thrusts us into. And when you study the book of Ephesians, you begin to realize that you are dealing with a God who means business. You, you are dealing with a God who means progress. You are dealing with a God who has come to interact with us on a platform that is so majestic and so beyond our thoughts. And it begins to stretch your mind and to stretch your thoughts concerning that which God calls ordinary. And it's important to note here that the book of Ephesians 
like Colossians and Philippians and Philemon were written in prison. And Paul is in prison and is going through a difficult situation. And he begins to write. Now, if you studied the book of Ephesians very keenly, unlike the other letters, it is not a responsive book. He does not respond to the issues of the church. It is not a reactive book. He does not complain of the situations around him. And many times when we are walking in this life, our times of greatest pain and our times of greatest trial sometimes are our times of greatest revelation. That in challenges and in pain and in difficulty is where we find ourselves at a place where we are able to see him most clearly. Remember the book of Psalms chapter 23. David said that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because thou, O Lord, are with me. That in the valley of the shadow of death, he saw him and he saw him clearly. So you see, Paul now in Ephesus is now dealing with an imprisonment and the Roman government has come upon him and is bound and is in a difficult place. He's not in a comfortable place. In fact, if anything, he's in a place of distress, confusion, frustration, and depression. And the temptation is when we are faced with such a great view of challenge and difficulty, the temptation is always to say, let me cast, let me throw in the towel and give up. The temptation is always to say, let me wait for a good, for a time when things are working. I'm waiting for the right conditions. I'm waiting for the right environment in able for me to interact with God. And in our walk in this life, most times if you are going to win, then you have to learn the unique skill of rising up within challenge and within difficulty, getting perspective and overcoming the challenge. Paul is now in Ephesus. In fact, he says, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32, he says that in, in Ephesus, I fought with the beast. Can you imagine? That in the midst of fighting with the beast, and that is not strange language because Jesus called Herod what? A fox. Remember that? The apostles called the emperor Nero a lion. And Paul is saying now that I had to deal with the beast in Ephesus. And there are four things he dealt with. Number one, he dealt with the seven sons of Sceva. Now, it is one thing to have one son of Sceva, but having seven of them. Imagine having, <laughs> if it was possible that every month a different landlord would come to collect rent. That there was not only one son of Sceva, there were seven of them. He had to deal with Demetrius, the silversmith, who in the city of Ephesus, in a, on a platform of 25,000 people, caused a riot against Paul. Can you imagine? A guy leaves his silversmith work and causes a riot against a man. He said, I had to fight with the beast. He had to deal with unbelieving Jews that the more he preached, the more they refused to believe. It's as though his words were hardening their hearts. Yet he preached even more that he would constantly proclaim the truth. Yet their words would fall on difficult hearts. Have you ever been in a place where you are preaching the gospel if you one day you became a preacher? <laughs> and the people who you are preaching to have been preached to so much they have become preachers themselves. 
and they will never tell you amen, whether you sweat or not. <laughs> they look at you like Lucozade and say, I know this message. He says in Ephesus, I dealt with the beast. Praise the Lord. And in difficult times is where we find our most strength. Remember what Job said, that God knows the way I take. And after I am come forth, I will come forth as pure gold. In order to purify gold, gold must be subjected to high pressure and high temperature. It is a tragedy to want to get the value of gold and reject the process of gold. That somebody will lift up their hand and say, purify as fire. Refine us, refine us, refine us. I have an announcement this morning. Refinement is a painful process. Even for those of us who consider themselves highly talented, talk to them. They will tell you of the sleepless nights where they had to practice and of the painful days where they would have to lift up their voice, yet they were sick. They would tell you of the hours and hours of practice that in difficult moments, we should build the ebullience and the strength to lift up our eyes, gain perspective, and rise up. It is here that the book of Ephesians, it is written. It's like unlike any other epistle. Because the book of Ephesians does not start with the death, crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians starts before we ever had a world. Scripture says that the things that God ordained for us before the foundations of the world. That the book of Ephesians goes up back in, in time and in infinity. That, is not, that it's able to view the works of God before the foundation of the world. The purpose of the book is to in one, to declare the purpose of God. The second one is to declare the plan of God. And it is here that I see that purpose alone is not enough. That planning must meet purpose for there to be execution. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, do you have a plan? Come on, ask the other one. Do you have a, do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? That before destiny emerges, before you're able to get into the plan of God for your life, there has to be a revelation of purpose. But a revelation of purpose must closely be followed by the instrumentation of planning that before you plan purpose is not in view and the book of Ephesians now deals with what is the purpose of God for the church and number two what is the plan of God for the church by the time you get to chapter two chapter three he digs deeper now and he begins to show us the things we should pray for Chapter 2 verse 21 says that there are good works that were ordained beforehand. And he says we should walk in them. That we should do what? We should walk in them. If there's a prayer you must make, is that, oh God, cause me to walk in good works. Praise the Lord. Having a successful marriage is a good work. That's something to pray for. That you can lift up your voice and say, oh God, cause me to be a good parent. Being a good parent is a good work. Praise the Lord. That is why at Rivers Church we have here now a parenting class that I would encourage all of us. If you have a child and you, or you are about to, or you're expecting a child or you're planning to have a child, okay, those ones who are planning, please put a plan first. I'm talking about those ones who actually have children. Register behind there. 
being a good being an excellent businessman is a good work. That's something to pray about. He says that these good works, we are not to pray for them. We are not to desire them. We are supposed to walk in them. That is an expectation that there are good works that you are doing. Building a school for the poor is a good work. I know you heard me. Building a hospital, that's a good work. That when people stand in a city, they can point and say, look at that hospital over there. That is Rivers Church. Praise the Lord. God has ordained for us to walk in good works, not good clothes. And sometimes you find that our vision does not go beyond what we want to eat. Our vision does not go beyond what we want to drive. Our vision does not go beyond what is your plan for this nation. Glory to God. You don't have to be on the ballot to have a plan for this nation. You don't have to be on the ballot to have a plan for this country. Joel Mwangala, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You don't have to be in the ballot for you to have a plan for Ruaka City. You don't have to be on the ballot. He said that there has been good works that have been ordained for us to walk in them. Listen, there is nothing ordinary about the believer. God is saying, I want you not to pray about them. I want you to walk in good works. Come to chapter 4 of Ephesians. He says, I want you to now walk in unity. He says, I beseech you, brethren, I, being a prisoner of Christ, that you walk in unity. And this is so important because except we stand together, then there is no strength for the church. Remember Psalms chapter 133 verse 1 and following. Brethren, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, for brothers to dwell together in unity. He says it is as the oil upon the head running down to the beard, running down to the edge of his garment. That when brethren are united, there is an anointing, there is an unction that is flowing. There is an unction that is flowing only when the people are united. That is why we should lift up our hands and say, oh God, unite the church in Kenya. I know you heard me. Unite the church in Kenya. You know, one day, my, my brother Pastor Lovi said, they tried to organize a crusade on all churches along Gong Road. So if you didn't see it, of course, you know what happened. And that's where all the big churches are. The devil is a liar. Praise the Lord. He says, walk in what? Unity. Until we are united, there's a dimension of the anointing that will not flow in our lives. He said a divided house cannot stand. Except the house be united. There is, no, there is a level of unction that the church will never access except we walk in unity, he said. Now, chapter 4, after walking, in, he starts slowly. He says, walk in good works. Then he says, walk in unity. Then he says that brethren, is it verse 14 now? He says, I don't desire you to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. He says, walk in maturity. That is a maturity requirement for us to enter the things of God. God is saying this morning at Rivers Church that you gotta grow up. Stop being a child. Somebody said, let's pray to us. Two hours. Somebody said, no, no, you know, I can't pray two hours. I, 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 I have a work. I have, I, 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 I need to cook pancakes. <laughs> and all kinds, tell your neighbor, grow up, baby. You got to grow up. You got to grow up. There has to be a growing up. 
There has to be a growing up. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse number 1. He says, if the heir be a child, what happened? He differed nothing from the slave, though he be what? Master of all. Now I have a question, Pastor Doc. You have a son, Judah. Judah is five years old, right? If today you, you took your VW and said, because you love Judah so much, you want to now bless him with this car, would that be a blessing or would that be a curse? And we lifted our voice, God, give us the city. God said, grow up. <laughs> God, open the doors. God said, oh God, give me a husband, husband now. <laughs> That's why I moved here. Because I don't, want to, I don't want somebody to throw something. Your aim has to be really good. Yeah? Oh God, give me a wife, 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 wife of my youth. <laughs> Evans, oh God, return those hands down. God said, grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. If somebody asked you, what did the, preacher, what did the pastor preach about today? He said, grow up. Father, release employees my way. I want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Grow up. That there is a maturity requirement to dealing with God. That before God can do business with you, there is a place where there has to be a growing up. And I love God. Because God is a father who is able to accommodate our childishness. But before we grow, forget about doing business with God. Amen. Hush. Amen. RTBN preachers, my goodness. Somebody three offering, I caught it. <laughs> Things we see on TV. Yo. Says walk in maturity. You know, my husband, we've been married three years. He doesn't bring me flowers anymore. <laughs> oh, glory. Glory. We came for practice this morning. There was no breakfast. What kind of church is this? Praise the Lord. You showed up for work and there was no internet. What kind of organization is this? Grow up. People have no work. You have something to do. And all you can do is to lift up your voice and say, what kind of? Grow up. And he says now, so, if you, if you had prayer point, have you noticed there is no Lord release Rolls Royce? It is God release good works. Good works. God release unity. What? Unity. God release maturity. Let there be a grace to grow up. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere, he says, earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word of God, that in it ye may grow. You know, sometimes, and, and, and I'll tell you this because we, as pastors, we do a lot of counseling and talking on phone, and people enter our DM, and somebody said, you know, pastor, I want you to help me. There's this thing uh, that I'm, I'm struggling with, ETC. And sometimes I feel when our pastors are calling for Sunday school here, some of us should join that line. <laughs> do you still love your pastor? When Pastor Doc says, children, come. It's time for Sunday school. It's time for Sunday school. Some of us need to show up for Sunday school. Because tragedy is 
if every year the only thing that is changing is in your life is your age. You gotta grow up. Amen. Majaliwa, good to see you, sir. I'd personally missed you. I totally enjoy your service. Somebody needs to grow up. Then he says, I want you to now, four more things. He says, I want you to walk in the newness of life. That this newness of life is not something that happens to you. It is something that you walk into. Now you jump to chapter 5 of Ephesians and he wants to land this plane now. He says, three more things I want you to walk in. I want you to walk in love. I want you to walk in light. And I want you to walk in wisdom. Chapter 5 verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as the wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. It is here now that Paul begins to talk about profound declarations of God. And these declarations are so profound that he pauses in chapter 1 and just makes a prayer. That when you examine now verse 3 to verse 23, the profundity of the declaration and the presentation of the gospel is so intense that for the first time, he pauses and prays. That what I'm talking about, it is so stretching. It dismantles everything we've ever thought about God. It dismantles our view of God, our view of Jesus Christ, our view of the Holy Spirit. That he pauses and says, wait a minute, let me pray now. Because this is so intense. And his prayer is two parts. He says, one, he prays that they will catch the revelation. That they will catch the revelation. That they will understand who they are and what they have in him. That sometimes we are walking beneath the privilege that we have. That as God has called us to such privilege, but because of ignorance and casualness in our Christian life, we miss out on the privilege that he's called us to walk in. Let me give you an example. Because in chapter 4, he talks about walking worthy of the vocation wherewith we have been called. That there is a way to live this life. So one day, I think in, in 20, 2016, October, I remember reaching out to one of my sons who I'm walking with in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the faith. And we are given to discipleship. And I told him now, it is time, for, I want to show you something today. And he was a bit, he was younger than me. At that time, of course, I was also significantly younger. So you can imagine how young he was. I think he was in high school or something in this style. And I said, okay, fine. Now today we're going to show you something that will change your life completely. And I said, okay, so those days, um, Hotel Intercontinental used to be the place. If anything, if you ask anybody, not your neighbor, anybody else, they'll tell you that they had the best lunch, right? Because the best breakfast was, was in which hotel? You bougie people. <laughs> of course, it is in Fairview, according to Hotel Digest. So what do you read? So if you're reading Hotel Digest, they'll tell you in Nairobi, go for the Fairview breakfast, but go for the intercontinental lunch. And so I told this guy, okay, very well, I know you're used to Gideri, and you're used to Chapo Choma, no problem. 
for those of us who don't understand uh, Chapochoma, Chapochoma is where you, you come to the restaurant by faith and you only have money for chapo, chapat, none. Okay? Now you've reached the restaurant and faith didn't work. So now, now that faith has not worked, you are there anyway. So you say, no problem, God, I'll catch you next time by my faith. But today, let me order chapo. So the chapo is chomward. In, other Engl in English words, they pour for you some soup. Now, if they pour for you some meat soup, that day God blessed you. Sometimes they can pour for you some, some bean soup. That day you are, you are, you know, second heaven. But the day they pour for you skuma soup, as Mujaluos, we can't take it. We'll be like, boss, you're not inviting us to poverty. Eat your stupid chapo with your skuma soup. So I told him, no problem. Uh, I know exactly where you are. What happens is that I can give you many teachings, but they will not help you. You need something to open your mind, but it can't be words only. It must be experience. Now I say, okay, fine. What's going to happen now is that I want you to go and take a haircut. I want you to take a haircut. And then once you take a haircut, I know the trend with men nowadays, I want you to dye your hair, you see. And then they will, they, once you finish all those things of cutting your hair, make sure you cut your nails very well also. Okay, then meet me in town. Then after meeting in town, we go and make sure you have brand new clothes. And now you're looking the part. Then he wonders, okay, fine. It seems now you want to contribute. If I become a charity case, what is happening here? Then I say, now what will happen in the evening? This is a location I want you to come to. And I told him, now, when you come to this location, there are a couple of things that you must not do. Number one, when you enter the place, please don't negotiate price. Because you can't go to Intercon and say, Nipunguzie Bay. Did you say this chicken is $100? What are you talking about? Akuna 50? Say no. You come there, so the first thing, no negotiating the price. The second thing I told him is now, when you sit there and you read the menu, now it was very important that I don't go with him. If you're a disciple, you'll understand why. So now, I told him, when you read the menu and you don't understand the menu, don't worry. I have a key for you that you'll understand the menu immediately. Just sit there, very calm, collected. Remember your very nice, well-cut hair, your good suit, white shirt, yellow tie. You know yellow is the new red. And just say, please recommend for me the chef's special. You will have been able to confuse whatever complicated menu they bring before you. Because sometimes they give you a Spanish menu. They give you a French menu. Just say, recommend for me what? The chefs. The chefs. Hey. <laughs> Luos suffer with these things. Eh? Just tell you, give me the shh, special. And then what happens is when they ask you for a starter, for the sake of sophistication, because I want you to be exquisitely sophisticated, just say, no, thank you. <laughs> Don't ask what starter is, because when I was explaining to him, already he was asking, what do you mean starter? Should I start running? What do you mean? I said, don't worry what you do. I got you. Just say, no, thank you. Because, you know, learning is from the unknown to the known. And you cannot learn everything in one day. So I say, no, thank you. Starter, no, thank you. I want the main course. Self-special comes. After you are done eating, I made sure he's armed with my card. Take your card. Swipe. This is the, the, the pin. Ask for an Mpesa number of the, of the waiter. Give them the tip. What do you mean give tip? I said, don't worry. I got you. Say, Kibanda, we don't, we don't do those things. Why? Because when you go to Intercon, you have to be worthy. You have to walk worthy of Intercon. 
Your love for God is not enough to determine the outcomes you command in the kingdom of God. You have to walk worthy of the calling that we have in him. So mighty is that calling that Paul, in declaring them, pauses and prays. He says, oh God, this one, I must now pray. That the gravity of what he's teaching is so heavy that he takes a pause and prays and says, God, I pray that they will be able to know who they are and they'll be able to know what they have. If you can come to a revelation of who you are in God and what you have in God, oh, God, that is the end of many struggles. People will stop playing with you the way they like. This life will stop misbehaving the way they like. There is a confidence of a man who knows who he is and what he has. Have you noticed your behavior on the first week of salary payment and on the third week of salary payment? There's a confidence on week one because you know there's something there. Chester, I've been with you. I know how you behave also. Huh. There's a confidence. There's a co you enter, you sit with confidence because you know whatever they bring, you are able to take care of it. Why? Because you have faith in numbers, physical numbers in your, in your phone. There is that confidence of knowing who you are and what you have. Listen to me and listen to me good. There are devils that you will never fight once you're walking in your identity as a child of God. That when you can begin to know who you are and what you have, the difference cannot be reconciled. But in order to understand the what, you must first understand the who. And the question then becomes, why is it that God has blessed me? Look at verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with two spiritual blessings. With five spiritual blessings. Come on, somebody. Does he, has he blessed us with ten spiritual blessings? He says he has blessed us with what? says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. All means all. Tell your neighbor, all means all. All means all. And we know that the spiritual commands the physical. Does this in include a happy marriage? Come on, somebody. Does this include a happy marriage? Yes, does this include a, an illustrious career? Does this include breakthrough at will? Come on, somebody. You see, this is why Paul prayed. This is exactly why Paul prayed. Paul said, you see, Stan, as you preach on Sunday, this is what will happen. Now you have to lift up your hands. Oh God, grant them the spirit of revelation to know who they are and what they have. What do I have? All spiritual blessing. God is saying that when you enter the kingdom of God, there is no disadvantage with you except your ignorance. That the only disadvantage is ignorance. He says, the question is, how has he, he says, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessing. I began by giving you seven prayer points. There are things to walk in. But now we will focus on these two. He says, all spiritual blessing in heavenly places. And this is the reason. According as he has chosen us. He has chosen us. He has done what? Tell your neighbor you're chosen. Look at the other one. Tell them you are chosen. Tell them you are like you believe it. You are chosen. 
And the choice happened before the foundation of the world. Now, to the King Bible student, you not only examine the what, which is, you have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places, but you must also examine the why. Because every time you examine the why, you introduce a psychological dimension that begins to change your attitude about your situation. That if I can understand the why, it changes how I think about issues. It changes how I think about the struggle that I'm going through. It changes how I think about the pain that I'm now going through. It changes about how I think about bankruptcy. It changes how I think about the challenge that won't let me go. That there is a difficulty and we are walking through pain and frustration and challenge and brokenness and disease has refused to left to leave our house. But if I can understand understand why my attitude begins to change. The first thing is that God has chosen me. God has chosen me. And because of his choice, the devil cannot unchoose you. Hey, that even at my weakest point, God has still chosen me. And he did it before the foundation of the world. That that choice did not depend on, should I say, agreement. That choice did not depend on you responding to him. That the choice was before you ever was. That before there was ever a world to die for, God chose you. That gives you some self-confidence. That gives you some self-worth. Somebody said, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to abandon you. Let's see where you will be without me. You must be God. But if you are not God, you are a benefit, baby. But you are not a necessity. God has chosen me. That makes me break up proof. You didn't break up. You just gave me space. I know you heard me. God has chosen me. And that choice happened before the foundation of the world. He immaculately introduces sovereign grace. That God will do what God will do. That even while we were yet sinners, Ephesians chapter 2, and our mind was corrupted, and we were in enmity with God, and we would curse God, and we would, as it were, reject him and his advances, he still chose us. Remember Hosea, that you'd go and bring his wife home. And despite him bringing home, she would still go back. And you'd go back again to bring his wife home. And she would still go out. And you'd go back again to bring her home. That God's choice is not dependent on our response. Sovereign grace. That he chose us. And then after he chooses us now, he orchestrates events for us to find him. That in truth, we did not find God. It is God that found us. Now I need some help. Des, can you come please? Come with me. I want to demonstrate here what I'm talking about. Because in order to deal with the heat of challenge, we have to work with insight and enlightenment. And it's one thing, now please assume that Des is my son. I just assume, it's an assumption. Okay, of course I'm not this light. I know you're like, hmm, why couldn't you choose a darker guy? <laughs> That's why we said assumption, Bambi. Say assumption. Now assume, assume he's now, he's now he's, you are there? He's the son. I'm there. Dad, now call me dad. Dad. Uh, very good. He's doing very well. Now, okay? Very good. So tell me, I want to hold your hand, dad. I want to hold your hand, dad. Very good. Now, uh, dad, come. Um, now we are walking. What are we doing? We are walking. What's happening? The son is doing what? 
Come on, class. The sun is doing what? I'm about to blow your mind. The son is holding the father. That is you on Keshas. You in prayer. You with your tithe. That is your effort. The son is holding what? The father. And they are walking. Now, they reach a place in their journey. And it is a bridge without boundaries. You know those bridges that it's just a bridge without... There are very many in Machakos. Eh? <laughs> it's just a bridge. No boundaries on the side. And we are walking. What does the sun do? The sun starts pulling behind. Because the sun is now what? Scared. Because the sun knows now. It doesn't matter how tight I hold. This requires a different kind of hold. What will the sun say? I'm giving him blicky. What does the son say? Dad, hold me. Thank you very much. And the difference between efforts and sovereign grace is that one is you holding God, but the other is God holding you. And that talks about divine choice, sovereign grace, that in your deepest wind, God has you. Pastor Doc started today with the Psalm 139 and he said there, David would preach and say, Oh God, when I lay my bed in hell, there you are with me. The presentation of the gospel that presents a God who is allergic to a mess is not a representation of the true gospel, but it is a corruption of the gospel. The God that we serve is not scared to come into your closet. The God that we serve is not scared to enter exactly where you are. The God that we serve is not scared of addiction. The God that we serve is not scared of the stench of death. The God that we serve is not scared of the, of the sin that has refused to leave our house. The God that we serve is able to come to exactly where you are. That before I could say, Heavenly Father, he knew the words in my mouth. Oh, glory to God. He says, while you are yet afar off, I'm now in the book of Psalms, thou, oh God, knows the words. Before a word is formed in my mouth, thou, oh God, you know my words. God has chosen you and has called you. Let me digress a bit. You know, I like, I like advising, especially these foxes who are in Kenya are called hyenas thesis who try to convince our daughters and sisters to leave church for their behalf and I like to tell them boss you might, con you might confuse her for a little season but this is a cold one one day in the night she'll wake up and come to her senses and you'll be deep in love and she'll say get out of my house because Jehovah is calling me and the guy will ask, do you have another man? He says, I don't have another man. I have something greater than another man. Because the calling of God is able to pull you out even on the wrong bed. Praise the Lord. We have a God that has called us and a God that has chosen us. This is too much. Paul says, oh, let me pray now. Father, let them see that indeed you have called them. 
Let them see the ramifications of your choice. Let me read for you Romans chapter 9. Concerning the choice of God. He is sovereign indeed. He decided in Romans chapter 9. Thou will say then unto me. Romans chapter 9 verse 19. Thou will say unto me. Why doth ye find it fault? For who has resisted his will? Nay, O man, who art thou that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say unto, to, said unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me? Who has resisted the will of God? That is why when God said you are the light of the world, listen to me and listen to me good this, this, this afternoon, Rivers Church, you are the light of the world. When God decides to bless you, no one can resist it. When God has already chosen you and called you, no man can resist it. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. He says, I have ordained thee, I have appointed thee to be a prophet unto the nations. He says, I have anointed you. Jeremiah at that time is a young child. He says, oh God, I am just but a child, I am disqualified. I don't have what it takes. He is complaining. And God says, do not say you're a child. He didn't say, don't say you're a child. Come here, I give you a hug. No, it was a rebuke. He says, don't say you're a child. Don't say I'm not able to do it. Don't say I'm not qualified for it. Don't say I don't have the energy for it. God has chosen you and released all spiritual blessing to you. Amen. And even when I'm going through the harshest divorce, there God is with me and his choice has not changed. That I can lift up my voice in confidence knowing that the love of God ever so constant. Look at John chapter 15 verse 13. He says, greater love has no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for the sake of his friend. If only God could open our eyes to know who we have, who we have, and what we have. Who we are in him, and what we have in him. That to know you are his choice in this city. You, yes you. You are his choice in this city. In Ephesians chapter 3, he makes another prayer. But this time he doesn't pray that you see what you have and who you are. He prays now that you should be able to comprehend the length, the width, the depth and the height of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. That if there are two prayers that should forever be in your mouth, is that, oh God, reveal to me that which I have in you. Oh God, reveal your face to me. Oh God, cause me to see the breadth, the width, the length, the depth of the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is here now that we see that it is enlightenment that gives us the strength for the victory. That we have to be enlightened. That we have to come to a place where we are able to receive the revelation of who God is. To receive the revelation of what we have in him. One scholar said, this was Plato, he gave the allegory of the cave. And in the allegory of the cave, Plato argues and says that all men are but men who are born in the cave. And all they knew in their lives was the cave. And the challenge of this cave is that there was a light on one side of the cave. And the light would reflect upon their bodies and they would see shadows. And every time they would see shadows, they would think that that is all there is to life. 
And he continues to argue in the allegory of the cave concerning human behavior, he says. And one day, someone removes them from the cave. And they see the bright sun. And it is too bright for their eyes to perceive. And immediately, they return to the cave. Because it is what they are used to. What cage have you put God in this morning? What cage have you, you know, what, what, what views do you have of God? What limits, what red lines have you put for God? Have you ever had those guys who say, even at you and you at God as Hey, yo, boss, you're on your own there, man. God can't come there. That it is enlightenment that breaks. Plato concludes in this allegory of the cave, he says, that the world that we have been introduced to by the senses is not a true depiction of what the world is. And it is here that Paul says that God, I want you to open the eyes of their understanding that they may be able to see. And what we see with our five senses is deceptive. As long as you can see it, it is temporal. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is it verse 7? That we are not them that walk by sight. We are them that walk by faith. That as long as you can see it, it is part of the truth. It is not the whole truth. As long as you can smell it. I heard Jesus say, they said he now stinketh concerning Lazarus. Concerning Lazarus. Just because the corpse was smelling does not mean that the life cannot return. If I can touch it. He says, you don't know what you're talking about, pastor. I don't have a husband anymore. I'm now divorced. If I can touch it, I don't know what you're talking about. I have, the, I have the letter for being fired in my very hands, even right now in church. Just because you, it will not always be like that. If you can hear it, and you're hearing rumors of war now, and that we are all doomed. They said the same about the pandemic. But here we are. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, forever. Glory to God. They said Afri that Africa, people are going to die. In fact, the word was, when this thing goes to Africa, the world is over. The devil is a liar. Just because you can hear it, that is only part of the truth. It says, we are not them that walk by what we can see. That is why I know people are going to build here multi-million businesses. I said, that's how we know. How do we know they'll be winning albums here? This is how we know. Somebody said, what are you talking about? In order for you to have a winning album, you need to be first be in a city with enough population. You need also to, you know, have the right names featuring you. You need to hack YouTube. You need robotics. The devil is a liar. Lazarus is thinking. That's what this is. This is all I'm saying. But it means zilch. It means nothing. I am not moved by what I see. Thank you, G. I am not moved by what I see. We are only moved by what God said. What did God say? What did God say? And this morning I'm coming to challenge you that may God open the eyes of your understanding. That may he open the eyes of your understanding. One scholar argues that He's talking about the full heart. That is the emotional self. Ruled by, very important, intellectualism and logic. 
that in interacting with him, I must be able to put together the promises of God like a jigsaw puzzle. So when the enemy says it's over, I can say not yet. When the enemy says you will die, I will say you will, I will live. When the enemy says there is a casting down, I will say there is a rising up. When the enemy says now your business is closed, I will say there is hope for a tree that has been cut off. When the enemy says now you are about to die with terminal disease, I can say he was wounded for my, chast for my disease. That the chastisement of our faith was upon him. That I can call healing from heaven. That there's one dimension of what the enemy will say, but I have another dimension. May God open the heart of our understanding. May we interact with him, not only emotionally, but let us interact with him as well, with logic, with intellectual, that I can be able to piece together what God is saying. That I can be able to refer, as it were, as a manuscript and say, this is not what God said. You can refuse a situation, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is not what God said. That somebody gives you a letter to resign, no problem. This is not what God said. God said that I shall, I shall live in abundance. God said that I shall eat the goodness of the land in the land of the living. This is not what it is. And as long as what he said has not come to pass, there is hope for tomorrow. That is why he said, what is the hope of their calling? We are not called without a hope. We are not called without the expectation of a better tomorrow. And every time I am in the bottomless pit, I know the only way to go is up. Hallelujah. And I came to sound a voice of prophecy to somebody this afternoon. That where the night is darkest, morning is closest. Because weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. And tomorrow as you go to the marketplace, I'm declaring the joy of God in the name of Jesus to turn around every bleak situation. Enlightenment. Pray that prayer like a dying man. If you wake up in the morning and you have nothing to pray about, say God, enlighten me. Enlighten me. Enlighten me. Do you remember the prophet and his assistants? Now they were, they were, their back was against the rock. And there was no way of escape. And the assistant to the prophet said, Prophet, you have been prophesying. We have been giving you offering. You have been collecting our tithe, but now we are dying. Prophet is calm. He goes out again. He sees chariots upon chariots. He sees legions upon legions. Sees infantry, horses, black stallions, javelins, giants, chantings of war. I don't know if you guys used to play rugby. You know, one of the tactics of rugby, when you want to now intimidate the other team, one of the things is that you come up with very foul songs. Oh, we're in church, eh? You don't want, you are pretending you don't know these foul songs. Okay. So they come up with these songs. And before the rugby match starts, have you ever seen the Swaziland hacker? I mean, this guy, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to enter that field because it looks like they are going to tear you apart with their bare hands. I'm like, oh, Rifari, is this part of the rules? Oh, God. And they are chantings of war and they are completely surrounded. What does the prophet say? The prophet said, God, open his eyes. He didn't pray for courage. 
He didn't say, oh God, give, me, give him strength. Because there are battles in this world that strength is not enough. There are battles in this world that we can improve your bank account balance. But it will not be enough. There are fights where motivation speakers fail. You can have all the courage you want and walk with a spring all you want and dress good all you smell, do all those things, polish your shoes, this motivation nonsense. But still, it is not enough. Except God opens your eyes. And the prophet told him, God, I want to pray for this guy. I don't want to pray for you to increase his anointing. You know, he spent a lot of time, oh God, increase anointing, increase anointing. Almost to mean the Holy Ghost comes in different sizes. <laughs> oh God, release provision, release provision. Sometimes the prayer you need to make is God, open my eyes. Father, just open my, open my eyes. Open. I have a husband. Not you. You're not the husband. I have a husband that has turned ori. I have a business that won't break even. I have a bank loan. I'm threatened with auction. God, I have a disease that won't leave my body. I have a challenge that I don't seem to find a solution. I have an addiction that won't let me go. Sometimes the prayer is, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. What you call challenge and difficulty, other people call any other business. What you call pain and disease, God calls healing and recovery. What you call blindness, God says this blindness is not blindness unto death, but it is blindness unto my glory. What you call joblessness, God calls opportunity for entrepreneurship. What you call closed business, God calls opportunity for career. What you call, I've reached my end. God says, start again. If there's a prayer, because our topic today was strategies of prayer. If there's a prayer that you should make and make constantly, is, oh God, open my eyes. Stand up on your feet. Let's make that prayer as we close service. Please worship him. Join me on stage. Just open your mouth and say, Father, open my eyes. Open my eyes to see who you are. Open my eyes to see what I have in you. Open my eyes to see what you have called me. Open my eyes to show me who I am in you. Open my eyes to see solution to the present day challenge. Open my eyes, oh God. To go round everything that I have called obstacle. Open my eyes, oh God, to see the healing that you have upon my life. Open my eyes, oh God, to see the provision that you have already made. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Just lift up your voice and say, God, open my eyes. Open my eyes. This is a very important prayer. Open my eyes. I want to see you, oh God. I want to see you. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to see your miraculous power. I want to see your wisdom. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. Open my eyes, Jesus. 
open my eyes. I need to receive revelation. In the name of Jesus, Father, we give you the praise, give you the glory. Thank you because men have found help in your house this day. In the name of Jesus, as people, as families go back home, oh God, let there be a miracle. Let there be a testimony. In the name of Jesus, break that difficult situation, oh God. Cause there to be breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray today that you shall open our eyes to see the power toward us. Who are they called? Open our eyes, oh God, to see your healing in our lives. Open your, our eyes, oh God, to see the deliverance of God in our families. Open our eyes, oh God, to see the provision in the marketplace. Open our eyes, oh God, to see your provision in our career. In the name of Jesus, open our eyes to see your love in our marriages, to see your provision for marriage success in the name of Jesus open up our eyes in our academics cause us to learn in the name of Jesus father thank you we give you the praise we give you the glory for it is in Jesus name we pray and believe if you believe it shout amen I said if you believe it shout amen if you are clapping clap for Jesus is that how you clap for Jesus? Come on, Rivers Church, put those hands together like you're about to break them and say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, say it one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.